This podcast of Central Indiana Today is brought to you by Figment 2 McDonald's. Stop by any of their stores in Avon, Brownsburg, Danville Speedway, and 10th Street next to Ben Davis High School for great specials, including the two for $2.50 and two for $5. They also have all-day breakfast items, which now include biscuits and McGriddles. And coming soon to the Danville location, Wednesdays will be family night. Figment 2 McDonald's is a proud supporter of Central Indiana Today and WYRZ 98.9. Hello, this is Kevin Kersey of the Kevin Kersey Agency. The Kevin Kersey Insurance Agency, a member of the Farmers Insurance Group, can help you with your home, life, auto, or business needs. And our phone number is 317-286-3481. We can also be found on Facebook at the Kevin Kersey Agency or at our website, www.farmersagent.com forward slash kkersey. And you're always welcome to stop in at 480 East Northfield Drive, Suite 300 in Brownsburg. The Kevin Kersey Agency presents Central Indiana Today on 98.9 WYRZ. Today's program is made possible by the Kevin Kersey Agency. And now here's your host, Rob Kendall. You're listening to Central Indiana Today. I'm Rob Kendall. Thanks for joining us on the program today. A story you've got to hear to believe. And it involves great uh, courage, uh, great good Samaritan work, and thankfully has a happy ending. It unfortunately deals, though, with an issue that is plaguing our state and plaguing our country, and that is a drug epidemic. We have seen it so often here in Indiana, drug overdoses related to heroin and opioids and the severe implications is having not just on the users but their families and everybody in the community look a lot of our communities are being overrun by these heroin and opioid epidemics and um today on the program we're going to speak with my good friend mel mcmahon of, of ms communications and a friend of the show um had her on a couple times before and her husband lance and they had a first-hand experience this past weekend with someone having a drug overdose. And it was in the middle of traffic on a Saturday. And thankfully, they were uh, alert enough and new enough to spring into action to save this person's life. But it underscores, when you hear this story, exactly how serious this thing is and how we all need to be prepared to deal with it. So here is my conversation with Mel McMahon and her husband, Lance. Mel, how's it going today? Hey, I'm doing well. How are you? Great. And her husband, Lance. Lance? Hi, how are you today? All right. Um, so you guys, Mel, maybe I'll just let you start telling the story. You guys this past weekend had a firsthand run-in with someone suffering an overdose. Yeah. Um, Lance and I were driving southbound on Michigan Road, and we were approaching a red light at the intersection of 62nd Street. And there was a pickup truck in the left-hand lane past the stopping point. No brake lights, a left turn signal on, and the windshield wipers on. That couldn't, seems dangerous. Yeah, very suspicious because it was nice and sunny. You couldn't see anyone in the driver's seat. You couldn't see anyone in the truck at all. And the woman parked in front of us, got out of her vehicle, looked in the passenger seat, and immediately grabbed her cell phone, which was an indication that she saw something not normal, not okay. Right. So Lance got out of the vehicle to, went in to go and check and see what was going on and- Lance, what did you see when you got up to the vehicle? Well, the driver was slumped, slept over to his left, which is what turned on his turn signal and windshield wiper. Because his driver, the passenger door was locked, so I couldn't 
open up and see if there was passengers in the back from the passenger side. So I walked around to the driver's side and noticed there was no one else in the vehicle and opened the door. And he was breathing erratically and obviously overdosing um, with anyone who's... Was he coherent? Like, could he could he respond to you or anything? No. Um, I took the cigarette out of his mouth and told him he was dying. He muddled out no and then died. Died as in that he quit breathing and I didn't feel a pulse. So I... Were, were you freaking out at this point? No. He wouldn't. He and, just... He's so calm, so smooth, just all the time. And it's just like... What do we need to do? All right, let's take care of it. Because I'm just putting myself, when Mel was telling the story earlier, of uh, putting myself in this position, I would be like freaking out that this guy might be dead in a few minutes, but you're just like, okay, what's next? So what do you do? There's no way for me to, to administer any CPR, obviously, within him slumped over in the truck. So I drug him out and purposely squeezed as hard as I could on the sides of his diaphragm. Luckily, that made him suck in air. He got somewhat of a heartbeat and started breathing again by the time I got him back to the ground next to his truck. And at that point, the truck started rolling. Oh, so, you're right, because you mentioned the truck. So the truck wasn't in park, like his foot was on the brake? Yes. So there's now a rolling truck while you're administering CPR to this guy. And that's when I was like, okay, <laughs> time to get out of the car. So I jumped out of the car, got on the ground with the guys. Lance stopped the vehicle from rolling. He was just had, you know, very shallow breaths, but it was obvious he's in distress. You know, his eyes aren't open. He's foaming at the mouth. He's turning blue around his lips, around his eyelids, around his fingernails. You know, there's just lack of oxygen and he lost a pulse again. So, again, we're speaking with Mel McMahon and her husband, Lance, about this encounter that they had this past weekend dealing with someone uh, who was a victim of a drug overdose. This was, uh, what, 62nd in Michigan? Is that what you said? And, and th- again, we're doing this story because we've talked a lot about the heroin epidemic and opioid epidemic in Indiana. It's something the Indiana legislature is struggling with. And uh, this firsthand encounter was really spooky to me. All right, so, Lance, you go to, like, try to stop the car then? Yes, and... My yeah. childhood, I have actually several times of jumping out of moving trucks and jumping back in. So um, that was actually the, probably the calmest part of the whole thing. Um, so, yeah, just put the, put you know, stepped on the brake and put the park. And, and so, Mel, you're giving this guy, like, compressions, right? Yes, did compressions. Uh, he took one of the deepest breaths I've ever seen, and his eyes just shot open. And I still had no idea if he knew that we were there or not, but I just kept telling him, you know, you're not alone. We're he- we're helping you. Hang on. We're not alone. And as we're doing this, cars are driving by and honking at us. Yeah, you said this. Like, people aren't stopping. Like, if I saw someone, like, I remember several months ago, my fiance and I were behind someone who got in an accident, and immediately we pulled over. We called 911. We were on the phone with 911, talked to both people involved, stayed there until 911 told us we could go. But you see these people are just like driving by. They're driving by and they're screaming profanities at us because we're in their way. And they see, the, slowing they them see down. the people on the ground, right? Nobody's like, what's going on? You would think so. But instead of helping, you know, people are taking pictures with their cell phones and I cursing have no and cursing at us. You know, I have no concern about them at this time. I just went into motion. I have no idea who this guy is, but I know he's somebody's son. He could be somebody's father. He could be somebody's boyfriend. He's our age. You know, he's just wearing cargo pants and a button-down short-sleeve shirt. You know, he is just a man in help or a man in need who needs compassion, who needs empathy, and who needs help. 
And there were a couple people. One person stopped. She identified herself as a nurse. And other people just came to gawk. And it just, it blew my mind. And until EMS got there, you know, they asked, hey, is this your husband? And I'm like, I have no idea who this man is. We're just passerbys. More of my conversation with MS Communications' Mel McMahon and her husband Lance about this life-changing event that they went through this past weekend about saving the life of a person experiencing a drug overdose. Stick around more on the way next. You're listening to Central Indiana Today. Participate in global diplomacy and bring the world to the Hoosier State and your home. AUSA is a top-tier nonprofit agency that matches exceptional high school students with qualified host families for a rewarding exchange experience that cultivates leadership skills, develops intercultural awareness, and enhances local families and communities. For more information about hosting a student or studying abroad, visit www.ayusa.org. That's www.ayusa.org or call 415 415- Two three one three eight seven one. That's four one five two three one three eight seven one. Indiana Family Dentistry is located at five hundred five North Green Street in Brownsburg. Doctor Will Hine practices general and cosmetic dentistry with services ranging from veneers and whitening to implants and complete smile restorations. Indiana Family Dentistry's phone number is eight five two five nine 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 and website is infamilydentistry.com. Indiana Family Dentistry is a proud supporter of Hendricks County and Community Radio. You're listening to Central Indiana Today. I'm Rob Kendall. Thanks for joining us. Speaking with uh, MS Communications' own Mel McMahon, as well as her husband Lance, about a life-changing event they went through just this past weekend. They experienced someone having a drug overdose. It was in broad daylight, right in the middle of traffic, got out of their car, helped save that person's life. They're telling their story They'll put in perspective the very serious nature of this drug epidemic we're facing in Indiana, as well as the importance of being a good Samaritan and helping out. We now continue with the conversation. And this may be a morbid question, but I want to ask it because people, a lot of people don't understand the seriousness of this heroin epidemic. And I think this will put it in perspective. I've been around people that are about to pass away and you know they're about to pass away because either they were elderly or whatever. What is it like to be around someone who, as Lance said, you're dying and you don't even know this person? Like, what is that like to see a young person who's clearly the victim of, in many ways, their own damage or something they did to themselves and they're about to pass away? What is that like? I think it comes back to the greater question of why so many people lose hope. Because it's just not heroin, it's the pills, it's all the other opioids. We don't, I, mean, I didn't see any shoot, I didn't see any scars on his, in his arms and his wrist, anywhere on his body. He probably didn't shoot up that day. He probably took four pain pills and then went and did some painting or whatever. And then, but those four pain pills were too much that day. But it's the lack of hope that people have. And where do, in our society, why do we have such a lack of hope for young people or even people of all ages to start doing all this? Because nothing's going to get better. And that's, I think that's the conversation people start, to start having is there's a reason why people are overdosing on drugs. It's because of lack of hope that their life will ever be better than it is today. Why are we that way in a society? Why are people driving by honking at people instead of trying to help? Why are we as a society not building places for addicts to go get help but we can build bigger prisons like those are the questions i feel we have to have and that's what irritates me it's not so much that i had to stop and help the guy and yes yes it delayed our day but we still got everything we wanted to get accomplished it's the idea that this man had 
got so hopeless in life that it was okay for him to die. Just on our end, there was never any judgment. We just went into action. We saw somebody in trouble and we helped. And never once in any of those moments did I question what I was doing. You know, like I didn't care what was lying around. I didn't care that I'm touching a stranger. You know, nothing ever bothered me in that moment. I was just doing what I had been taught to do. And that is have compassion and empathy for others. And, you know, I was safe sitter certified when I was 11. I was a lifeguard for Indy Parks in the YMCA. Been through many CPR trainings. I even know, you know, the new recommendations. And you just go into action. And one of the moments that sticks out to me is when the firefighter asked me, you know, is this your husband? And I said, no, he's not. I'm almost positive he's overdosing. He just hollers out to his team, it's another overdose. That's fascinating. You it's told becoming that- so commonplace. Yeah, I get our guest Mel McMahon and her husband Lance. They were involved in saving a life this past weekend of someone who had suffered a drug overdose. And we're talking about this because we've talked about the heroin epidemic and opioid epidemic in Indiana a lot on this show. It's something the legislature really struggling with on, on how best to combat. Um we hear that story. I hear that from police officers a lot who now carry around the, 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 the Narcan and stuff in their pockets. And they said, we never thought we'd see a day where we actually just, this is like what we do. We carry around life, life-saving drugs in our pocket because this stuff is, is so common. Well, and so many people think that it's not affecting them, that they are not going to have anything to do with this. Lance and I aren't drug addicts. It's had a severe effect on us. I mean, he didn't have any brake lights on in his car. It had just stopped rolling by the time we got there. What if somebody was texting and driving, the light turned green, and they just barreled into the back of him? That would have affected them. Yeah, and you guys said, and both of you tell the story a little bit, that it's sort of like divine intervention that you guys were even even there. Yeah, the timing, the timing was weird. We were on our way to purchase a new vehicle, and we left our home and decided, hey, we need to go to the car wash. So we went to the car wash, And while in the car wash, my driver's side window didn't close all the way. So I got washed and so did the car. And so we had to delay our trip, pull over in a parking lot and put the window back in place. One of the many reasons we were getting rid of the car. Right. So the timing of choosing to go to the car wash and then pulling over to fix the window put us at that red light at the exact time that this guy needed. Well, that and then also... Back to like the police officers and their attitudes, not to maybe overlook that, but why are they so burnt out? Well, Mel and I have several friends who are police officers. For years, they weren't allowed to take vacation unless it was for their honeymoon and only for specific reasons because we don't have enough police on staff. Well, as a society, should we pay more in taxes to get more police officers so that our active officers can take maybe two months of vacation so that way they're better mental state to deal with these situations or deal with the domestic abuse issues or deal with someone so they don't shoot somebody they shouldn't shoot like those are the like there's many things that society we can do to help these people we have to decide to do it yeah this is really a community issue it's not just right. an opioid issue this is a community issue yeah and we, as we talked about on this show many times this is one topic whether you're democrat republican libertarian independent whatever your meaning is we're all on the same team on this one because yeah. everybody's affected by we have it to everybody be. it doesn't matter what race creed or religion you are you are going to be affected by this issue until it is solved okay so i'm curious this is something that when mel was telling me the story i began to think 
you didn't get the guy's name right. You just you went like went on your merry way, basically. Yeah, I mean the situation like EMS took over and we just kind of walked away. We weren't asked to stay. We weren't asked any questions, and we'd done our part and went back to what we were doing. It was very surreal. Is it weird not knowing who this guy was? And one, you're wondering. You assume he made it because when he left, you said he was somewhat st- somewhat stabilized at yes. that point. Like the rest of his life. He's basically going to owe his life to you guys, but you don't know who this person is, and he doesn't know who you are. Isn't that a, like a weird thing? He doesn't owe us his life. He owes his life to whoever tells him a statement that will give him hope to continue living. We just prolonged maybe his suffering. It's whoever gives him hope to make his life better, that's who he owes his life to. How did this change you guys, or did it change you guys at all in terms of how you see this heroin epidemic, drug epidemic in the state of Indiana? I've been maybe exposed to it more than most. So to me, I mean, I used to work with and I abuse kids and their parents and work with the drug issues and all that. So I guess to me, it's not new. It's just some at some point someone has to deal, decide to deal with it. Yeah, it's not I'm not exactly a stranger to it either, simply because of the type of work my mom did and with her um, center that she had when I was growing up with family reunification and doing supervised visitations for the state. So it's not anything that I'm unfamiliar with but I will say it's kind of set a fire of advocacy in me again uh you know if I've always been one to stand up for the underdog and I would never be good in politics because I can't just smile and nod (laughs) Uh, that would never work out well for me so please never ask me to run for anything you'll be wasting your money but what sparked me even telling this story in the first place was an article that was posted on fox59.com It was shared on Facebook, and it was a poem that was left behind by a girl that had passed away from an overdose, and her parents wanted to share it in the hopes that it would make a difference for somebody. And the comments that were left on this article were atrocious. The judgment. Like mean comments from people about the daughter or whatever. Things you would not say in person should not be on the internet. And they were just so heartless and no compassion, no empathy. And if those people ever need help on the side of the road, they're going to be counting on a stranger to help them too. And that's really what instigated me even sharing the story in the first place is I could not believe the commentary that these people had and the judgment that these people had for a situation they don't know anything about. Lance, you mentioned your background of dealing with this issue, and it's recognizing that this gentleman was suffering from a drug overdose because you had experience with it. Is that something we need to start maybe looking at training our kids? I mean, I know we teach them CPR and stuff in many school systems. Is this something with the reality we're dealing with that maybe we need to start educating them on how to recognize an overdose of of some sort because it really played played a positive impact here? kids of sophomore or higher in high school who certain went through a certain part of puberty already could probably handle that younger than that i do not think it's a good idea because that's when the they, other th- issue that's when they teach you cpr you know in high school they teach you yes. how to save somebody and this may be just as important yeah and I, I agree it's just maybe a sophomore i mean it depends on how the mature the person is because you don't it's just like the kids the preteens that the mom brought up to the accident or the site we were at on yeah, Saturday. Yeah, you said some woman and actually the, brought up. And those up kids a, a, were preteens, and they didn't need to be there because they hadn't experienced that type of death. Helping a choking victim and learning CPR is one thing. Having to learn to do CPR on an overdose victim 
and recognize it besides they're just dying is different. It's, that's the re- they don't need to know the reason. They just they know that need to help them. But the biggest thing I think that we can teach our kids as parents and as we're raising them is giving them the hope that life continue to be on and that you're you're not utterly ever hopeless. There are places you can go for help. There's places that people who can help you and teach them the that social framework of where you can go get help even if your parents don't pick up the phone. That is probably what we need to be teaching them more so that way they don't become addicts. And for kids that are in situations or recognizing situations that need help, we need to give them the confidence to ask for help. Like Lance was saying, we need to train them to call 911. Even if they don't know how to do anything active on the scene, call 911. Be okay asking for help. You know, we hear so many stories about you know, somebody in college that drank too much and they passed out and somebody knows in their gut that something's wrong, but they're scared to call for help. Yeah. We need to get that fear The person out of on their Saturday minds. didn't have to be overdosing on drugs to get my help. He could have been had he could have been stabbed. He could have been shot. He could have been having a heart attack. It doesn't matter. That's why we don't need to teach our kids how to deal with the overdose. We have to teach them to be compassionate and help that person. He could have been. It could have been an older gentleman passing away of a heart attack. I still would have had to pick him up and get him out of that truck so we could have done CPR and so he could have breathed again. So that's what we have to teach kids is that process. It doesn't matter if the guy was overdosing or any other thing that was causing his death. He needed help. It's our place to help him. Guys, thank you for sharing this story because it was had a huge impact on me and I think everybody hearing this, helping them to understand the seriousness of the drug epidemic. But most importantly, as you said, talking about the importance of helping others, being compassionate and not being afraid to step up and do the right thing. So thank you for doing that and thanks for sharing your, your story today. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Mel McMahon and her husband Lance telling their story about coming across someone in the middle of a drug overdose, right in the middle of broad daylight, right in the middle of traffic. And this drug epidemic, as we've talked about many times, is so serious and we all better take it very seriously. And they did it. They did it perfect. I mean, they are an example of being a good Samaritan. And uh, I know that that young man, wherever he's at today, is is grateful to them because he probably uh, wouldn't be with us. So uh, we'll take a break. When we come back, more on the way next. You're listening to Central Indiana Today. Rob Kendall here speaking with Donald James from Impact Youth Mentoring. Donald, what is Impact Youth Mentoring? Rob, we are a not-for-profit group pairing mentors with at-risk youth in Hendricks County and developing tomorrow's leaders. How long has Impact Youth been around and how many children have been impacted? We were formed in 2011 and have impacted more than 125 kids through our mentoring and after-school tutoring services. So how can folks get involved with Impact Youth? We are always in need of some good folks who are interested in becoming a mentor for children in Hendricks County who could use mentoring. And if someone wants more information? You can find us on Facebook by searching Impact Youth Mentoring or at our website, impactyouthmentoring.org. The UPS Store Brownsburg is located at 124 East Northfield Drive in Brownsburg. Their phone number is 858-1422. The UPS Store Brownsburg can handle your printing needs, including color, large format, and business cards. They also do blueprints, mailers, and invitations. Thanks to owner Tom Reese and all the folks at the UPS Store Brownsburg for supporting community radio in Hendricks County. 
Special thanks to Mel McMahon and her husband Lance for telling us their story today about uh, coming across and saving the life of someone having a drug overdose. And don't forget, if you missed any part of the conversation, go back and check out the podcast anytime you want. We're on SoundCloud and iTunes. You can download the show right to your smartphone or tablet. Listen anytime you want. Just search Central Indiana Today. As always, the podcast presented by McDonald's. Until next time, I'm Rob Kendall saying have yourself a great evening. You've been listening to the Kevin Kersey Agency presents Central Indiana Today on 98.9 WYRZ. Made possible by the Kevin Kersey Agency. An archive of today's program can be heard at our website, wyrz.org. Tune in next time for another edition of the Kevin Kersey Agency presents Central Indiana Today with your host, Rob Kendall. This podcast of Central Indiana Today is brought to you by Figment 2 McDonald's. Stop by any of their stores in Avon, Brownsburg, Danville Speedway, and 10th Street next to Ben Davis High School for great specials, including the two for $2.50 and two for $5. They also have all-day breakfast items, which now include biscuits and McGriddles. And coming soon to the Danville location, Wednesdays will be family night. Figment 2 McDonald's is a proud supporter of Central Indiana Today and WYRZ 98.9. Hello, this is Kevin Kersey. Since 1968, our family has been helping customers with their insurance needs. We provide insurance coverage for life, home, auto, and recreational vehicles. And our phone number is 317-286-3481. The Kevin Kersey Agency can also be found on Facebook at The Kevin Kersey Agency or at our website, www.farmersagent.com forward slash kkersey. And you're always welcome to stop in at 480 East Northfield Drive, Suite 300 in Brownsburg. The Kevin Kersey Agency is a proud member of the Farmers Insurance Group. Participate in global diplomacy and bring the world to the Hoosier State and your home. AUSA is a top-tier nonprofit agency that matches exceptional high school students with qualified host families for a rewarding exchange experience that cultivates leadership skills, develops intercultural awareness, and enhances local families and communities. For more information about hosting a student or studying abroad, visit www.ayusa.org. That's www.ayusa.org or call 415 415- 231-3871. That's 415-231-3871. The UPS Store Brownsburg is located at 124 East Northfield Drive in Brownsburg. Their phone number is 858-1422. The UPS Store Brownsburg can handle your printing needs, including color, large format, and business cards. They also do blueprints, mailers, and invitations. Thanks to owner Tom Reese and all the folks at the UPS Store Brownsburg for supporting community radio in Hendricks County. Rob Kendall here speaking with Donald James from Impact Youth Mentoring. Donald, what is Impact Youth Mentoring? Rob, we are a not-for-profit group pairing mentors with at-risk youth in Hendricks County and developing tomorrow's leaders. How long has Impact Youth been around and how many children have been impacted? We were formed in 2011 and have impacted more than 125 kids through our mentoring and after-school tutoring services. So how can folks get involved with Impact Youth? We are always in need of some good folks who are interested in becoming a mentor for children in Hendricks County who could use mentoring. And if someone wants more information? You can find us on Facebook by searching Impact Youth Mentoring or at our website, impactyouthmentoring.org. Indiana Family Dentistry is located at 505 North Green Street in Brownsburg. Dr. Will Hine practices general and cosmetic dentistry with services ranging from veneers and whitening to implants and complete smile restorations. 
Indiana Family Dentistry's phone number is 852-5999 and website is infamilydentistry.com. Indiana Family Dentistry is a proud supporter of Hendricks County and Community Radio.